Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring? But don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Chelsea Clinton, and this is In Fact, a podcast about why public health matters, even when we're not in a pandemic. Today, we're talking about substance abuse disorders and addiction. When we think about a public health crisis, we often think about a contagious disease like COVID-19. But substance use disorders and addiction are another epidemic, yes, an epidemic, in our country right now. This epidemic is fueled in part by the overprescription of opioids, and it's made worse by the stigma that has too often kept us from talking about and treating this as what it is, a health issue like any other. The good news is, over the last few years, the conversation around addiction in America has started to change. More and more people are speaking out about their own experiences, including celebrities, and elected leaders are taking on the issue in new ways rooted in public health. All of this is particularly urgent right now, Overdoses and overdose deaths have risen during the pandemic. According to the Center for Disease Control, 13% of Americans say they've started or increased substance use, including alcohol, in order to cope with the stress of COVID-19. And for people in recovery from substance use disorders, isolation has made it harder to get the support they need. 
Today, I'm talking with two people with unique perspectives on these issues. We'll hear from Dak Shepard, an actor who is incredibly candid and poignant about his own addiction and recovery, including on his own podcast, Armchair Expert. But first, I'm talking with Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser. D.C. was once a place that I called home, and it's so much more than our nation's capital. Nearly a million people live in the metropolitan area, and it's one of the most diverse cities in the United States. And let me just say, it's long past time for D.C. statehood. That's a topic deserving its own podcast, but it's also one that matters for public health. To just give one example particularly relevant to today's topic, because D.C. isn't its own state years ago, Republicans in Congress were able to block D.C. from using its own non-federal funding for needle exchange programs. Thankfully, that ban was reversed, but it shouldn't have been possible, and it wouldn't have been, had D.C. been a state. Leading the city today is Mayor Muriel Bowser, who has stayed focused on the very real challenges posed by substance abuse disorders and addiction, even while managing the many other crises of this last year. She's committed to improving access to mental health services like Oxford Houses, community-based and run sober living environments, and to Narcan, a life-saving antidote to opioid overdoses. And as you're about to hear, that's just the beginning. I was so happy to have Mayor Bowser on the podcast, and I started our conversation by asking her what it's been like to address substance use disorders in D.C. while also navigating the COVID-19 pandemic. What does the opioid epidemic look like in D.C.? Well, it doesn't look like the national picture that we have of the opioid epidemic. In fact, people who are suffering and dying from opioid addiction in D.C. are usually African-American men in their 50s or older. And they're folks that have been living with substance addiction for sometimes decades. And what we see is these very potent street mixtures of drugs that are causing overdose and death in our city. Were you aware of the extent of the crisis when you became mayor, or was this an issue you really had to confront more head-on once you took office? Absolutely. It was an issue that we had to confront when we saw these very potent fentanyl mixes that emerged seemed to me almost overnight on the streets. And we had been seeing the kind of over- prescribing of opiates and how that also has mixed with the street trade and the fentanyl mixtures that are killing people in our city. And last year during the pandemic, we had a pretty significant number of people who succumbed to these overdoses. For so long, we've treated addiction as a matter for the criminal justice system. And yet we really know that addiction is a public and a patient health crisis. How do you help shift the public's understanding of what addiction is and also how they can hopefully be part of helping support people who might be struggling in their community? I do think we've seen some shifts in the way that we are thinking about drug treatment and the criminal justice system, certainly in D.C. We have been on a multi-year strategy of decriminalizing marijuana, for example, and making sure that at the same time, though, we're educating young people about 
the dangers related to overusing marijuana. We've also seen more help and support for people to get on medically assisted drug treatment, which is changing the conversation for people who have dependence on opiates and they've been in this kind of circle for decades and decades that have separated them from jobs and family when there is a medical treatment available to them. Because I do think that as we see that type of treatment go up, then people can better manage and they won't go to the use of street drugs, which is very dangerous. But with quarantine and isolation, the risk of death with the use of some of these drugs goes up for people who are used to being among a group of people and now they're on their own. And I'm very focused on what the use of telemedicine in this COVID period is going to do for us. How can we use technology and put it in the hands of people or put it in more public spaces so that people can connect with providers. I'm really excited about the kind of continuum of public health supports that can be provided in that way. Madam Mayor, you spoke a little bit ago about your hope to build a facility where people could detox and hopefully could be well positioned to be on a path to recovery. And yet often facilities and clinics that do that work receive some pushback from neighbors saying like, we don't want those people here. We don't want that in our backyard. Have you confronted that in DC? And how do you respond to that? Oh, no, not in DC. (laughs) That would never happen. Yes, I have confronted that. And I've had the opportunity, you know, DC, Chelsea. So, you know, before I was mayor, I was a ward council member. And this issue has come up many times. We, for example, and I'm sure you're familiar with Oxford houses, Mm -hmm. where people come together in a residential environment, independent living, and they're all, everybody is in recovery. It's a kind of hands-off government approach to people getting back on their feet. And I love the model and it actually has worked very well here. But you're right. If people know about it, they're concerned about just other people who've made too many mistakes living close to them and maybe being a danger to them. And the thing that always gets me when I'm in a community, I can always say, who do you think these people are? (laughs) They're your neighbors. They are brothers, cousins, nephews, friends. We all have somebody that we know who needs help getting back on their feet. And they have to have a place to live just like you. And, you know, I've developed over the years all kinds of ways to help homes like that integrate into D.C. It's not easy. I've had too many neighborhood fights about it, but it's so worthwhile when people just recognize that there are all kinds of people in the world and sometimes people are going to need a second chance. And it may be you. It may be a cousin, a nephew, your son, daughter. And we live in a community that values supporting each other. So it takes a little bit of extra leadership and work on the part of elected officials, but it is worth it. Well, clearly I agree. And certainly over the last few years, there has been a real push from the public health community and from clinicians and others who are on the front lines of treating and working with people who have substance use disorders and addiction to really try to move to an approach of harm reduction. You know, while 
You certainly hope people can be on a path of recovery and sobriety. You want to reduce the harm that they are doing to themselves while that happens. And clearly Narcan is a major example of harm reduction. Can you just talk a little bit more about your citywide commitment to Narcan? No, absolutely. I don't think that we've done enough to talk about harm reduction because we still live in a world where addiction is seen as weakness, not as an illness. So that's why I do think that leads to some of the persistent stigma related to substance abuse disorders. And so really educating people and constantly having those conversations, I think, will reduce the stigma, will help people get help and manage their illness and stay alive. And all of those things are important. I've been mayor six years. And over that time, we've been working on Narcan distribution very recently in our drugstores now, someone can go in who is a family member, friend, potential bystander and get the nasal spray, which we think is going to help us save lives and also lead to some productive conversations about substance abuse disorders and harm reduction that we're trying to keep people safe and keep people alive and not come to some judgment about their illness. We'll be right back. Stay with us. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something 
exciting to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring? But don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. So Mayor Bowser, as we you know, hopefully are moving out of the pandemic over the course of this year, how do you think about your job to help people move forward from this collective trauma that we've been through, especially for young people who have been so dislocated and so isolated from going to school, from playing sports, from going to church, from seeing their friends in the park, from seeing their grandparents at holidays, because this has been a collective trauma too, and one that's fallen the hardest on our most vulnerable. I think I struggle with that, to be honest with you, Chelsea, because my experience has just been so different because I've been in person at work every day of this pandemic. And so when I'm talking to friends, I have a goddaughter who's a tween, and I just see in them what this has done to their social interactions, to their love of school, their love of sports, just as you said. And people have to ease back into that. I noticed it when we reopen our schools. People have given teachers a hard time for this, that, and the other. And I did too, except they were at home, had to pivot to teaching lessons at home. Some teachers hadn't been in their buildings for eight or nine months. And so what I have seen just in, because we're just trying it, putting one foot in front of the other, is that as people come back to those environments, they have to kind of softly come back. So maybe you don't say everybody starts work on Monday at 9 a.m. Maybe you invite one group in to have just a small staff meeting or you invite, you know, a sit down little coffee for six or you do a tour so everybody can see how the plexiglass has been put up and there's social distancing reminders. So I think people have to be eased back into their normal lives and we have to give each other the grace to do that. While at the same time, all of us are leaders in our communities, we have to recognize that we've lost some things not being together and having a real plan to get back to those things is just really important into our mental health, physical health, our academic health, our relationships, our jobs and productivities in our downtowns. I'm sitting in downtown Washington right now. And sometimes early on in the pandemic, it would make me cry just to see how empty the streets were and how a restaurant closed meant 30 people who weren't working and didn't know how they were going to feed their families and to have these beautiful museums where Americans aren't visiting right now. So I think that we all have to ease back in, but we have to have a plan to get back. 
to learn more about Mayor Bowser's work on addiction treatment and harm reduction and everything else she's doing, please go to mayor.dc.gov. Dak Shepard wears a lot of hats. He has a hilarious and informative podcast, Armchair Expert, which he co-hosts with Monica Padman. He's a talented actor who's appeared in too many movies and TV shows to list. He's husband to actor Kristen Bell. He's a dad, and he's an advocate for approaching issues of addiction with openness and honesty. It's inspiring to have the chance to talk with someone who has worked so hard to shatter stigma around substance use disorders and addiction particularly, including by speaking openly about his own experiences. One of the reasons I'm so grateful to talk with you today is I think we need people who just refuse to be shamed and are honest because I hope that helps other people then refuse to be shamed privately or publicly. Yeah, I think maybe it would be helpful for me to say how I delineate between shame and guilt. I think guilt is a tremendously wonderful emotion. I think it is often the motivation for change. It's the motivation for apologies. It's great. Guilt is I did something bad or I did something I wish I hadn't. Shame is I am bad. I am a piece of shit. I am not worthy of love. There's nothing very constructive that can come out of that. But guilt, I'm all about embracing guilt, and I have it all the time. When I've been very public about my stuff, I don't feel shame because I apologize. I make amend. I I make an attempt to write the things I've done. And once I've done that, I don't have any shame about it. I'm not carrying around 15 years of shame from when I was a raging addict. I felt guilty about a lot of those things, but I, yeah, I'm not embarrassed by them. I agree. I mean, guilt hopefully helps us take responsibility. And certainly as parents, I I want my, when like you're throwing a magnet tile down the toilet and we had to call the plumber, <laughs> Sure. like I'm glad that they felt guilty about that. I'm also like even more glad they took responsibility and apologized For anyone who's listening to us, Dax, who may not be familiar with your story, would you just share a little bit of your history with addiction? For sure. But briefly, I just want to say, yeah, the proudest I am of my children ever is when they admit something and say sorry. That to me is the single most impressive thing a little person can do because it's the bravest thing to own your shortcomings. It's so hard to do. (laughs) It really is hard to do. So when they do it, that to me is like... Way better than A's, way better than uh, cartwheels and all this other stuff they do. Okay, so my story in a nutshell is if people know what the ACE score is, you know, you can take this childhood trauma test. There's, I want to say, eight or ten questions, and I'm getting get all these numbers wrong, but you'll get the message. If you had a parent that was mentally ill, if you grew up with food deprivation, if you had an addict in the house, if you were subjected to sexual abuse, if you were subjected to physical abuse, all these things. I took that test because we had a guest on explaining it to us, Nadine Burke, and I was like eight of the 10 or something. And I was like, oh, okay. That explains a lot of things. You know, an addiction being one of those. I come by it through generations of addicts before me, and then I had a good deal of those childhood traumas. And if you would ask me at 18, I would have just said, I like drinking. It's fun. I like having fun. It was tremendous amount of fun for eight years. It worked great. And uh, I also did a copious amount of cocaine. That was probably my favorite thing to do. And then it became untenable. And 
it didn't work anymore. I would be on all the things that kept me from feeling the feelings I didn't want to feel. And I was still feeling them. It just wasn't an escape anymore. And I tried to get sober many times. I would get two months. I'd get three months. This went on for a couple of years. And then I had this very unique experience where I was about to start a movie. I decided to take a vacation. I went down to Hawaii with a friend. I specifically went there because I, I knew or I believed they didn't have cocaine there. I found crystal meth instead. Uh, just a, a week of just terrible overconsumption. By the time I flew home, I was so sick that I could barely get on the plane and I had a layover in San Francisco and to get on the next plane I had I, I had to go to the bar and have four or five Jack and Cokes just to do it to get through the next flight and I was in the corner of this bar because I had been in AA at that point so I was just paranoid someone from AA was going to see me in this airport and I was also starting a movie where I was going to make the most amount of money I'd ever made in my life and an amount of money that I was positive would make me feel happy and people had recognized me the whole time i was in hawaii and that was something else i had believed would make me feel happy and on paper i had everything i had set out to get when i moved to la and i was like just so miserable and suicidal that i thought oh boy you have all the things now and you're the most miserable you've ever been so something much bigger is broken I consider that a huge, huge gift that I was so lucky and spoiled that I had those things because I, I honestly don't know if I could have figured that out without those things because for so many years I was telling myself I, it was those things that were missing in my life and that if I had those, I would have real self-esteem and like myself and, and be joyful. And I just feel like it was such a blessing that I could get those things and feel suicidal because it really made me confront that something much, much bigger was going on. That was my last drink. That was 16 and a half years ago. And then I was sober for 16 years and I race motorcycles. I race cars. I do a lot of stupid things to get male approval and I get hurt often and I have surgeries often. And during quarantine, I had two in a row. <laughs> Um, there was an off-roading accident, then there was a motorcycle accident, and through the course of being on opiates for, I don't know, maybe, you know, a solid month and a half out of a three-month window, the second time when it when it was over, I was like, this, no, <clears throat> this is not over, I'm going to keep going. So then I started obtaining them illegally. I came to this idea that I knew what unmanageability was. It was that trip to Hawaii where I'm in a car accident on day two of the trip. There's police involved. That, to me, represented powerlessness and, and unmanageability. The opiate thing was very misleading because I still was doing everything I'm supposed to do. I was still interviewing people and they were going, it was going well. I was still playing with my kids on stop, putting them to bed and waking them up and doing all the dad stuff. And I just generally was cruising through life without any unmanageability other than the terrible aspect of opiates is that your tolerance just is going up daily. So my intake's going up daily just to stay at this level that I don't have to think about any emotions I have. And then it got to a level where I, it, it occurred to me, oh, you're um, extremely physically addicted to these and you're going to have a detox. And everything was secret still at that point. 
And I'm getting kind of visibly detoxy to my loved ones. And I'm at that point lying and saying, because I do, I have psoriatic arthritis. So I'm saying, oh, I have, <clears throat> I'm having a really bad flare up. And that's why I'm so, and this goes on for a couple days. And the one thing I got out of those 16 years of being sober is I hadn't gaslit anyone. And I used to be able to do that like crazy when I was an addict before I could look at everyone and lie to them. And it was just, um, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I was making people who love me feel crazy because they knew something was going on and I was lying. And then I just eventually came clean to my wife and to Monica, my co-host and best friend. Yeah. And then I had to go to my fucking meeting I've been going to for 16 years and say, yeah, I took a cake last week and I was high and it was terrible. Weirdly, it was terrible leading up to it because I had built this whole identity in my head around having 16 years. I loved having 16 years. I love talking about it on the podcast. I love that people would message me and say, I'm month three. I love being inspirational to people for sobriety. And it I, was, I was holding on to that so much. I was deriving so much of my self-esteem from that that I was really scared of not having that. And so I avoided losing that for a while, for a couple months. And then eventually I just, yeah, I couldn't do it. And I, and I had to tell on myself. And then I felt very obligated for the people that had been inspired listening to me get sober that I got to share the fact that, yes, yeah, sometimes, man, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't work out. And, you know, the solution is just being honest and coming back. And how do you feel now, today? Oh, my God, so good. One of the most basic tenets in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is that addicts cannot afford to have resentments. We can't carry resentments. You know, I had to ask myself, how did that happen? Okay, I have, clearly I have resentments and I have things I need to confront and work out. And so this has been like a second chance to confront all those things that have been building up. And I have to say, today at least, I feel better was six months than I had felt at 15 years. How do you talk to your kids about addiction? Oh, I just like I'm talking to you. Yeah, they know that dad goes to an AA meeting every Tuesday and Thursday. They know I'm leaving. Where are you going? <clears throat> One of the cuter moments was, <laughs> I want to say my oldest daughter was three. Back when my daughters really wanted to be with me 24 hours a day. And she said, where are you going? And I said, I well, I'm going to AA. So why do you why do you have to go? I go because I'm an alcoholic, and if I don't go there, then I'll drink, and then I'll be a terrible dad. And she said, "Can I go?" And I said, "Well, no, you got to be an alcoholic." And she goes, "I'm gonna be an alcoholic." <laughs> and I said, "You know, you might become one. It's the odds are not in your favor, but uh, but you're not there yet." <laughs> And they knew, they knew, like when they relapsed, we explained, well, daddy was on these pills for his surgery, and then daddy was a bad boy, and he started getting his own pills. And yeah, we tell them the whole thing. We're taking a quick break. Stay with us. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. 
You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring? But don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We were talking about trauma earlier, and increasingly a number of doctors who study trauma are trying to raise awareness that we all have had a collective trauma during the pandemic, and that we need to be cognizant of the way that trauma will haunt us. And that if we don't recognize it, name it, confront it, it will haunt us possibly for the rest of our lives. And I think we have to be able to talk about that and to help others talk about that in the same way, I'm sure for all the people who've reached out to you to share their stories of sobriety, I'm sure you've also had a lot of people reach out to you to share that your candor has helped them like be candid with their loved ones and ask for help. The tipping point that got me to be public about it was a really good friend of mine who happened to have the same sobriety date as myself, and we're the exact same age, and we do the exact same thing. So we're, we're very, very similar. And I told him, of course, immediately, and, and I said, I don't really want to do it on the podcast, and here's why. And he said, he, he, he goes, look, 
if you're getting self-esteem from the number, that's silly. If you're getting self-esteem because you think it's helpful to people, that's great. But if, if your goal then is actually to help people, it's so much more helpful that you relapsed <laughs> than it is you being 16 years sober and married to Kristen Bell. That's not incredibly relatable to some dude who's struggling. But lying to the people you love just last month, that's pretty relatable. And are there other people whose honesty about their addiction journey has inspired you? Oh, God, yeah. There's this guy I hadn't known, really. He was a professional skateboarder and very famous for that. And then he, he had a really popular radio show on Sirius, Jason Ellis, and he fights MMA. Now, as someone that grew up without a dad who was desperate for all male approval, I did all those things. I skateboarded, then I rode motorcycles, then I jumped things, then I raced things. Anything that would check the you're a man box, I pursued. And I was most impressed by guys who could do backflips on motorcycles and stuff. So I'm never going to be able to impress you, basically. No, no, I have a whole other category for females. Don't worry. Okay, good. Ooh, <laughs> all right. So I was, this was probably six years ago. Jason Ellis was a guest on Howard Stern, and I was listening to the interview, and Jason told the story of having been molested by his father all growing up and how complicated that was because he loves his dad so much. Still, his dad had since passed away, but the, the openness and the willingness to share that story in, in the way that he did. I was listening to it and I, I had chills. I thought, well, this is the bravest thing I've witnessed in my life. This, this, this so exceeds doing backflips on a motorcycle or jumping through fire. This, like, what he's doing right here is everyone's greatest fear. Like, look how damaged I've become. That's the kind of heroic bravery I, I am striving for to have, to be able to do that. That's as badass as you can get <laughs> for me. We talk about in our family how important it is to be brave and kind. I say to my kids, if you're brave and you're kind, you're going to be good. It's going to work out. And I will feel like I've done my job. Yeah, and I can say from experience, I've gotten physical altercations in my wife's defense. And if I was plotting that, the amount of bravery that took for me, that was a four. And me telling her that I'm afraid she likes her career more than she likes me was a nine for me. That's so much harder for me to do than to fight a guy in her defense. Thinking again about addiction and the ways in which I think too often we cloak addiction in shame and in moralizing instead of in the real language of public health and harm reduction and treatment and solidarity. What do you think or what would you like to see change in how we talk about addiction, how we talk to kids about addiction, and how we treat addiction in our country? Well, first and foremost, just that no one is ashamed to say they're diabetic. No one's ashamed to say they've got a broken arm and a cast. In fact, it's awesome when you have a cast in elementary school. I'll give my own example. I think I grew up thinking people that were addicts didn't have willpower. And I think I 
demonstrated great willpower. I went to the groundlings while also going to UCLA, while also supporting myself, while also juggling a full-blown addiction. Like I think I have tremendous willpower and I'm tremendously responsible until you add one thing into my body, alcohol, and then it's anyone's guess where I'll end up in four days. Like I don't feel shame about that. This is clearly the graph demonstrates who I am. And then this thing, alcohol and drugs, is this extreme, I don't want to call it a weakness, just inability. I think the more people take it out of the realm of, yeah, moral weakness or uh, lack of willpower or short-sightedness or a hedon, any of those things, I just don't think that's realistic. One of my clearest memories as a little kid was when my my father told me that his brother had been arrested for selling cocaine to an undercover cop. And he went to prison. He had struggled with addiction throughout his life. And yet what I remember even more clearly was my grandmother, whom I called Grandma Ginger, being inconsolable. Sure. Just being devastated. Of course that her younger son was going to prison, but even more so that he had been in so much pain and that she had been unable to help him. And even in the like mid eighties in Arkansas, you know, my grandma Ginger, who'd been a nurse, a nurse anesthetist, knew that prison wasn't gonna help him overcome or recover from or move forward from his addiction. So just the devastation that she felt of her failure as a mom yeah. and also our social failure and the way that those had collided into her son's life. I, I, of course, couldn't have articulated all that at five, but I just felt like, oh, this isn't right. This is wrong. There's just so much that's wrong. And now, you know, 35 years later, we're still incarcerating people for uh, low-level drug use, whether kind of marijuana or cocaine or other substances, when we know that if we really wanted to help our country have less addiction, fewer people imprisoned to their addiction, we would be investing in treatment and, and prevention and support and not prisons and the continued criminalization of substance abuse. Yeah. And, and, and it, you know, you also just cannot avoid the reality that it is also so disproportionately brought to bear on black folks than it is white folks. Black and Hispanics. It's so lopsided. Not only is it not helpful to the addicts, it's also uniquely punishing to people of color. Well, thank you for sharing your reactions and more, Dax. Very, very grateful. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, it's a pleasure. You can hear more from Dax on his podcast, Armchair Expert. This is a really challenging time for people struggling with substance use and addiction, even while we're seeing signs of hope and treatment. Public health departments are stretched to their breaking point, and loneliness, isolation, and anxiety are very much a constant for so many people. And as we were reminded in today's conversation, Finding the help, support, and community necessary for recovery can be daunting even in the best of times. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about addiction for the podcast is because this is an issue that has touched so many of our lives, and yet it is something we still too often feel uncomfortable talking about. 
We all have a stake in changing the way we talk about and treat substance abuse and addiction and making it easier for people, families, and communities to heal. If you or someone you care about is struggling with addiction, please know that you are not alone. For help, please call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration's free confidential hotline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. Thanks for listening. In Fact is brought to you by iHeartRadio. We're produced by Erica Goodmanson, Lauren Peterson, Kathy Russo, Julie Subrin, and Justin Wright. With help from the Hidden Light team of Barry Lurie, Sarah Horowitz, Nikki Huggett, Emily Young, and Huma Abedin. With additional support from Lindsay Hoffman. Original music is by Justin Wright. If you liked this episode of In Fact, please make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And tell your family and friends to do the same. If you really want to help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening and see you next week. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.